And we are live for the 116th episode of the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast, sponsored by Six Pack Coverage. Tonight on the podcast, it's Andrew, it's G, and it's Gus. Gentlemen, how are we doing? What's up? Doing well. Doing well. Glad to be here. Certainly is glad to be here. The Yankees coming off a four and six, oh, excuse me, four game, four wins in six game week, uh, taking two out of three against both the Toronto Blue Jays and the Texas Rangers. Uh, of course, the 11 game win streak had to come to an end at some point, but they still did get two series wins. Currently at 20 and eight, best record in the American League. I believe that it may also be. Uh, best winning percentage in Major League Baseball. Somehow, uh, it certainly didn't feel like this was the best team in baseball uh, watching them play uh, the last few games. They've scored, I think, a combined six runs over the last four games. But the pitching staff, as always, has been incredible. Guys, how are we feeling about the status of the team right now, where they are offensively, where they are from a pitching standpoint, how they stack up in the division? What are our thoughts? I think... For the most part, um, the returns are good and probably what Brian Cashman and the Brain Trust wanted to see. Uh, they And Gus was just mentioning this pre-show, but they're definitely playing different. I'll let him talk about that more, but um, they're playing differently than they did last year. Um, the pitching is obviously incredible, and that's been probably the highlight so far. Um, and... You know, maybe some mixed returns from some of the new faces. Joe Gallo still stinks. That's not new. But, like, um, they're overcoming that. And, uh, you know, they're getting contributions from all over the place, which is pretty cool. Uh, the defense is a lot better. And, yeah, they're good and potentially, at times, fun. And they do have the best winning percentage of baseball, better than the Dodgers by a few percentage points, which is pretty cool. And I think it came up in our chat or something recently that the Dodgers are on pace for like 110 wins or something. I saw it today. I can't remember if it was pre, um, pre-game pre or post-game, but someone had tweeted that the Yankees are currently on pace for 114 wins. So um, I think it's somewhat fair to say right now the Yankees and the Dodgers are right there, kind of somewhat above everyone else, but... Overall, the Yankees are doing pretty well right now, and I'm happy with the way they played thus far. Yeah, uh, to your guys' point, Yankees 20 and 8, Dodgers 19 and 8. So just a, a game ahead or so. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think going back to your point, Andrew, about kind of the, the offense taking uh, maybe a little step back in the last few games, um, something that Paul O'Neill mentioned on the Yes broadcast today. You know, you have three days off, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday when you're supposed to play, get postponed by rain. It's pro- And then you play three games in two days. It's probably pretty difficult to, to readjust to the speed and the movement of, of legit major league pitching in with that kind of turnaround. Um, and, uh, G, to your point, in terms of the different style of play, uh, I'm pretty well involved with a, a pretty good college baseball team as uh, I'm – I'm running studio uh, studio host and producer duties for adult baseball team, and uh, they're they're great. And something that's interesting about the college game is, you know, it kind of varies by team or even by by league in some cases. But college involves a little more small ball. You know, you'll get your your sacrifice bunts, and and there's an emphasis on speed and putting the ball in play because the pitchers are a little bit worse, the defense is a little bit worse, and that's something that you're seeing the Yankees do a little bit here and there. You know, you got guys like Higgy. 
and Glaber Torres kind of laying down some stack bunts. You have a lot more uh, stolen bases. I Now I'm forgetting what the number is, but I think it was like 17 that they reached a couple of games ago, and it took them until like game 78 or something last year to reach that number. So it, there's definitely a little bit of a shift in the way that they're playing. And, I mean, yeah, you got to say it's working so far. Yeah, so so you mentioned stolen bases. The Yankees are currently fifth in Major League Baseball with 17 uh, stolen bases. They're they're definitely putting a little bit more emphasis on movement on the base paths. Uh, a small ball to an extent. You've seen guys like Higgy, even Glaber, uh, attempt to square up and, and bunt at points. Uh, I think even IKF did it once or twice this week. Of course, he had that that pop up uh, and just basically gave away the bat. So uh, mixed results there. Uh, as well, but I, I think a big part about the Yankees is, is that they're still haven't really hit their groove in, in terms of getting those big hits with runners in scoring position. So they're getting guys on. Aaron Hicks, in particular, walks a lot, but doesn't really do much uh, impact with, with the actual with the bat. Uh, so they're like they're getting guys on, but they're not really getting them in. They're getting them on. They're getting them over. Right, the bunting, sack flies, whatever it means, get them to second base, third base. But getting that big hit to drive in the runs, now, it, it didn't elude them so much when they were winning 11 games in a row. Granted, they were also playing a lot of poor teams. They played Cleveland, Detroit, Baltimore twice, Kansas City, uh, and then it cooled off to an extent against Toronto and, and this week against Texas. But uh, certainly the Yankees have a, a different feel in that they're they're not just like a bunch of big unathletic bruisers who are going to hit home runs or strike out. Uh, they're certainly striking out enough. They're hitting home runs. That that's that's fine. But but you do feel like they there is a potential for a little more run scoring hits. Um, even today, I, another game where they completely struggled to score runs. It took a double in the gap by Anthony Rizzo to score the lone run of the ball game. Uh, Granted, you can say what you want about the shift that, that Texas put on him. Uh, but, look, um, guys, Nestor Cortez, who, what what can you say about this guy? Carried a no-hitter into the eighth inning. It's actually the second time he's carried uh, a no-hitter past the fifth inning this year. Uh, he did it last time against Cleveland as well. Uh, in the Saturday game, the Yankees ended up walking off. But, look, is this guy our ace? Is this still a fluke? Is Garrett Cole going to come and, and rip the, the reins from him again? Like, what? how do we feel about Nestor Cortez? Because I'm, I'm on the record as saying I thought last year was a total fluke, but this year he's proven that that certainly isn't the case. So what are your thoughts on Nestor Cortez? My thoughts are that sometimes you just get a little bit lucky, and sometimes you just find some – sometimes shit just falls out of the fucking sky right into your lap. Like, obviously he was on the team's – a few years ago and and you know he's a reliever and he didn't really do much and then he went away and he came back and uh you know matt blake right they've changed over the pitching staff they've done a lot of you know organizational stuff that's changed over in the last couple of years um and sometimes that stuff just all kind of meets and works out and you know it's nice obviously that he's a lefty and rotation of you know all righties otherwise but like um He's pitching. The and Jordan Montgomery year. disrespect. <laughs> mostly. Sorry, mostly righties. <laughs> um, I don't hate Gumby, I promise. Um, yeah, either way. I mean, it's nice to have two lefties then um, because most teams don't have that. Either way, um, 
you know, sometimes shit just works out and, you know, he's not throwing 100 miles an hour when in an era where that's kind of the thing. Um, but it's pretty cool. And, you know, he's got the craftiness and I, I feel like we haven't seen quite as much of like the, you know, timing and the wackiness this year. But um, dude is just pitching and he's pitching really fucking well. And um, I don't know. Tip your cap to the man. Right. He, he's not he's not blowing people away. He's just pitching really fucking well. Yeah, I, I I think that's really the most impressive part is the means by which he is getting both righties and lefties out. I mean, you look at, uh, of course, it's only five starts, but lefties are two for 13 against him and righties are 17 for like 77. It's, you know, 221 and 154. He's getting everybody out and he's making guys look silly. The The type of swings that you get on – the inside slider or, or the cutter, like you guys mentioned, when he drops down and and changes arm angle and changes timing occasionally, not with the kind maybe the kind of frequency of the past, but he has just found a groove and found a a real rhythm that he likes to operate at and it's clear that he is finding a ton of success so far. He really is just such a joy to watch and I don't think at least maybe this is just me but I didn't really for a moment think that he was gonna be able to complete the no hitter maybe it was just because of his pitch count maybe it was just because of uh my own general condescension about this team maybe it's that I was skewed by the fact that the offense made me want to put my head through a plate glass window uh, but like regardless the fact that this dude goes out and absolutely shoves right this is a guy who was the the quote-unquote bulk guy a couple of years ago. Remember all those days where they would have four guys in the rotation for half the season and they had to go, Chad Green was the opener, and then Nestor Cortez would come in and pitch like four innings and he gave up like three runs. It was still sufficient because the offense was good enough to score runs. And now you look at where he's at at this point in the year. I know we're still early in the year. It's only a third of the way through May, but 42 strikeouts in 32 innings. He has an area of 1.41. His whip is still under one. The dude went from quirky and figuring it out to, like, he actually knows how to pitch and get people out now. Uh, even Andrew McCutcheon fired out a tweet today that said his fastball, that's like 91 to 93, plays like it's 94 to 97. Uh, like, he's getting respect around the league, and he's just so much fun to watch. Uh, but I do also want to give a quick shout-out to the rest of the pitching rotation because – Again, the the offense didn't really show up so much this week. We did win four out of six games, uh, and, and they definitely did some damage early on in the Toronto series. The last four games have been no-showed. Uh, look, Luis Severino has probably been the worst of the five starters. Still carrying the array under four. It's 2-0 in the year, 23 strikeouts and 24 innings. Jordan Montgomery, this dude cannot buy a win, despite going out there and battling every time he takes the mound. Uh, the Yankees, I, I'm convinced that they, they just have someone out for him that, like, anytime he takes the mound, they're like, ah, that's it. You know what? We're not going to score for you. And Garrett Cole, it's been much beleaguered about how much he struggled early in the year. But after a slow start uh, on set, on Sunday afternoon, the dude hit his hit his stride. He's looked really good uh, the, the rest of the season. Um, and I don't want to forget Jameson Tyone. Hasn't really been spectacular in any start outside of that, that most recent one in Toronto. Uh, but he's grinding as well. The Yankees one through five. You feel like any guy who takes the mound on any given night gives you a chance to win. It's just going to be a matter of can we score enough runs, right? So 
let's let's pivot over there. Guys, there's there's a lot of hitters up and down the uh, the lineup who who were hitting and aren't so much anymore. Um, I'm just gonna kick it out to you. Who are you most frustrated with uh, in, in the Yankees' offense right now? Let's just take Joey Gallo because I feel like that's like a layup. So like outside of Joey Gallo, because the numbers say what they need to say for him. Who else most aggravates you right now uh, in, in the Yankees' offense? Brett Gardner. Wait a minute. Sorry, wrong year. Yeah, it's always Aaron Hicks. The answer is always Aaron Hicks for me. And it's not because he's under contract for like five more years. It's none of that. It's just that he's not good, like at all. And I'm tired of people being like, oh, he works the at-bats. That's fantastic. He stinks. He's terrible. He, if, if, you, if you were like, hey, we're going to put him in like left field. I, I mean, I don't know. I think I'm of the opinion that the Yankees' best alignment is when you put Judge in center and you put – uh, Stanton and Wright, or you know maybe someone else on an off day or whoever, Gallo or Hicks and left, and then if you batted Hicks like eighth or ninth or wherever seventh bottom third, and he would take the occasional walk and whatever I wouldn't hate it, but they don't do that or they haven't done it yet. Um, so yeah, I mean I think relative to expectations, people still have some sort of expectation for Hicks that he's gonna, you know. I don't know, bat 250 and hit 25 home runs. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't think he's very good anymore offensively in terms of actually hitting the ball. Um, So I think, and I think maybe putting him in left was kind of like the start to the, like, maybe he's not the everyday center fielder, everyday player that we have to rely on anymore. But, um, yeah, I'm just, he's just not fun to watch play baseball for me, and it kind of bothers me. So that's my person. No, the thing with Aaron Hicks is like you look at his at his slash line, right? And he's has an OP an o, uh, an on base percentage of 395. Like that's that's elite, right? Uh, but then he's hitting 250. I think he was hitting about 320 a couple weeks ago. He had a, a a nice stretch in the leadoff spot for a while. Uh, it certainly cooled off, but his slugging percentage is under 300. So almost all of his hits have been singles. I know he had that two-run home run. I think it was in that first Toronto series. Uh, one, like It might have been like a, a, a short porch, cheapy first or second row shot. Uh, not that it doesn't count, but uh, you that, that's really all he's really produced of impact with the bat, right? It's very weird that you look at his number, you see it, I, I, an on-base percentage, it's almost 400. Like, wow, that, that's awesome. But every time he comes up, he, you don't feel like he's going to actually – impact the game in any way like if he draws like do a walk, anything right <laughs> yeah it, it's very weird and, and you look at his late and clutch numbers they're they're really not good at all uh how many times have we seen him hit a weak pop-up with multiple guys on base in less than two outs right it's it, it's at a point where it's almost like it, it, it's just like a running gag that, that that's who he is and like i really hope that he hits his stride um i said in in, in a preseason article i wrote on our site that. Uh, like one of the top 10 keys to the Yankees getting off to a fast start was him playing where we saw him play in 2017 and 2018, right? I think the Yankees are a better team when he's playing at his potential. Uh, I don't know if that's an arguable fact, but like he's he's just not. He's getting up there expecting to to, to walk these days, and that's all he's he's looking to do. Uh, but but Gus, I don't, I don't want to completely uh, bury you here. Who's who's like you know, like the one guy who most frustrates you in the offense right now? 
I think I think it's Josh Donaldson. Honestly, it it's a little perplexing to to see the kind of numbers that he's putting up. I mean, just uh, still just a two sixteen average. He is walking uh, at a pretty good clip. You know, fourteen point four percent in the walk percentage, which is you know top ten percent in the league. But he's striking out a lot more than he has in the past. His you know K percentage is up. Of course, these these Stackhouse numbers only go back to 2015, but it's by far the highest in that uh, in that portion, and it's even up five percent from last year when he was with the Twins. And when you watch him hit, I, I don't know if he thinks like, okay, I have better protection in this lineup. I'm just gonna swing as hard as I can and miss the ball a ton, or like, I don't know if he, you know, the he's like the ball is dead. I need to hit it harder, but he'll just load up and swing like the lights out and just not hit the ball half the time. Uh, so I, you know, the Josh Donaldson that I kind of expected was, you know, the, the veteran, the guy that's just going to dig in there and be a, be a tough out, hit the ball hard a bunch of places and, you know, obviously hit home runs and, and drive guys in. We really haven't seen that so far. I was very excited for uh, the acquisition uh, of Josh Donaldson um, no, uh, let me clarify. I wasn't thrilled when they got him because it, it it was attached to the IKF acquisition, meaning that we were out on guys like Trevor Story, who, by the way, thank God we dodged that ball, and Carlos Correa, who were still on the market at the time. But he started hitting in spring training. I loved him in the leadoff spot. It just seemed quirky and weird, and it didn't make sense. But for that reason... Like, whatever the Yankees have been doing recently that did make sense was the market, so, like, why not buck the trend? But you compare what he's doing to the guy they traded away, Gio Urshela, who would occupy the same position. Donaldson has an OPS of, of 107, which seems generous. Now, like, Gio certainly is not having a good year by, by any means. His OPS is only, like, 80, 85. But, like, I, I have a hard time watching Josh Donaldson – play on an everyday basis and think like Gio could be doing the same thing, right? Like obviously the stats say otherwise, but just based on what we remember him doing for us, like it's very hard. Like Gus said, like you watch him and you, maybe we had way too high expectations for him, but he seems like he's swinging out of his shoes a bunch. His strikeout rate is higher than his career. I just really feel like, I don't know, like based on the stats, he's still better than Gio Rochella would be right now, but Based on what we saw Gio be for us, uh, there's a part of me that's always going to wonder, like, would it have even mattered at this point? I think the other part of that trade was more important, which was obviously not having Gary Sanchez be the everyday starting catcher. Um, And also, just in terms of, like, an everyday consideration, right, like DJ LeMay, who played third base today, he's rotating into the lineup um, all around. So I think... I did want to enjoy that. You know, I did want to like Josh Donaldson leading off, but, like, it's the same sort of thing we said with Aaron Hicks, right? You can't just walk. Like, you do have to actually hit at some point. So, you know, the Yankees don't have a lineup where it's, like, in Minnesota, Josh Donaldson was probably batting third or fourth every day, right? Like, so it's possible that, you know, maybe it just needs a little bit more time to adjust to the rotating, you know, nature of his um, of his role and, and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, he's he definitely has to hit more. That's for damn sure. The walking is nice, but, like, 
he has to start getting on base at a more regular clip because we don't need him, I guess, per se, to be the 25 and, and 80 guy or whatever that he was last year, but he's got to contribute. Otherwise, it's going to go to shit really quickly and not be a fun offense to watch. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point that you brought up that a bigger part of that trade may have just been getting rid of Gary Sanchez. Uh, because if it was simply about upgrading a third base, the, you can make the argument that, well, DJ LeMay, who playing third base every day, was an upgrade over Gio Rochella. So, like, why would we have to do anything else? Uh, and then just instead of trading for two guys, just fucking sign Carlos Correa, right? Like, how many times uh, do we have to go down that well? And I, what's done is done. We, we can't change that at this point. Um, maybe I look forward to who's a free agent next year if they're ready to move on for IKF and maybe uh, Volpe doesn't progress the way they expected. That's a future podcast. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel I have very mixed feelings about, about the Yankees offense because they look like world beaters when they were winning 11 games in a row. There, there's no doubt that they were doing it against weaker competition. And certainly the three days off, as Gus mentioned uh, earlier, certainly doesn't help their cause uh, when you're in a groove, they had won 11 straight. They, they lost one game at the end of that series, but Toronto's a great team. So you don't really think much about that. Then you get three whole days off and now they look like they're dead in the water offensively again. So maybe they just need a few more days to get back into the groove, but it, it certainly is frustrating. And whether it be Gallo, IKF, Donaldson, Hicks, whoever else, uh, certainly we're not getting much production from the catcher position either. Um, the the offense is, does definitely leave a lot to be uh, a lot to be on here, and like I, I I'm just I, I'm torn. Like, do we think that this offense is more like the 2021 version we've seen the past few weeks, or are they more the team that that we saw when they were winning 11 in a row? Like, what do you guys think? You know, I I think it's hard to say right now. We're still obviously very very early. Uh, into the season. Um, I think with the with the personnel that they have and the kind of experience that those guys have, you think about, you know, Donaldson, right, we, we said he's not hitting, but this dude's been in the league for 12 years. He's seen just about every kind of pitcher that you can see. Giancarlo Stanton, pretty much the same deal. And, and with the guys that they have, and Aaron Judge, who, you know, during that 11-game winning streak and, and in Toronto especially was kind of on a, a different level in terms of the at-bats he was putting up and the home runs he was hitting, obviously. I mean, that one against Manoa really stuck out to me as just a, a guy who was absolutely locked in. I, I think they will ultimately end up being better than 2021. It's hard to be worse than that team was. Uh, but I, I think these upcoming games are, are going to be a good test of that, you know, two against Toronto, and then you've got four uh, at, is it guaranteed rate? Uh, whatever they call the White Sox stadium nowadays, uh, who have obviously some, some pretty good starters, you know, Giolito among them, Lance Lynn, and then a, a really great bullpen. So that's going to be a, a good series to kind of test out to see if this offense is really for real. You know, the Yankees obviously do the resting thing a lot, and um, you're not necessarily going to see what the A lineup would be for a while. Um, but obviously, you know, you can still take 
you know, take measurements, take stock of what you have. Um, and I think it's just in the process, right? It's still, you know, it's a little bit over a month or whatever, a couple of days past the month of the season. Um, they're, the profile is different. They're not just like a, hey, we're going to roll out, you know, Void and Stan and Judge and Gary and Gallo and all those guys together are just going to hit a shit ton of home runs. They're not. Like, it's different. So, obviously, the pitching has been incredible, so that makes your life a lot easier. Um, you know, but like we were saying, right, they're going to hit a little bit more small ball. They have went from, I guess, having at least the expectation of getting 20-whatever home runs from your catching position to, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll get 10 or 15 or whatever, and it's more about defense. Um, Higashioka, we know he's great on defense. Trevino is pretty damn exceptional on defense. Um, there was a tweet by John Morosi today that I saw that was uh, saying, you know, in the 12 games Trevino has started, they're 9-3, and three and they give up an average of 1.75 runs per game. Um so I think just all that to say that, like, the Yankees' offense doesn't necessarily need need to be the Yankees' offense that we have come to maybe expect the last couple of years, where it's like, oh, we just need to hit a lot of home runs and score a lot of runs. Otherwise, we're boned um, because the pitching is better, because Matt Blake seems to be damn incredible at his job, and the defense and personnel in general are just a lot different and better. So... No, no, that's certainly certainly a great point. And that's what's made this team, at least to an extent, more fun, more tolerable than what we had last year. The pitching the pitching was good last year, but it's on a whole other level this year. Uh, but this year, the, the defense is better. They're running the bases better. But you look at some streaks that they have offensively, and, and you can't help but be brought back to – how we felt during large stretches last year. Like, they had an 11-game win streak this year. They had a 13-game win streak last year, and they followed it up by losing, I think, like 12 out of 14 games. Uh, not that this team has done the same thing. They've already won two out of three uh, since their thir- that 11-game win streak was, was broken. But yeah, I, I agree with you guys in that I think the offense will ultimately be better than it was last year. But I don't know if that stretch, like where we saw them score double-digit runs in what, like four out of six games uh, against Baltimore and Cleveland and Kansas City, uh, if that's really who they are, I, I, it'd be awesome if if they are, but I just I just don't see it. Uh, but but Gus did mention uh, the upcoming series is that that that's a good transition uh, as we, we we move towards the the end of, of this episode. Uh, you have an upcoming series against Toronto at home. Uh, I know they've already played Toronto, what, seven games this year. And this will be Toronto's second trip to to New York. Uh, It's a quick two-game spot. Uh, You have Luis Severino and Jameson Tyone on the bump. Sevy is going head-to-head against, what was it, Yusei Kikuchi, and then Tyone against Jose Barrios. So certainly winnable games. Not that Toronto is an easy opponent, but those are, statistically speaking, two of the weaker Toronto starters. We avoid Gosman. We avoid Manoa, who's been in a thorn on our side. Uh, the problem with Kikuchi, though, is that he seems to pitch well against the Yankees, even though he pitches well against nobody else. Uh, remember, he's the guy who pitched the game that broke that 11-game win streak, and he came into that game with an ERA of, like, six and a half and went six innings, one run, if I'm recalling correctly. 
and, and then you go ahead to uh, an extended eight-game road trip, four at Chicago, four at Baltimore. The Yankees still haven't faced Tampa thus far, and they will after that series. But they haven't had that big, meaty part of their schedule yet where they played Toronto a bunch, Tampa a bunch, Houston a bunch, Boston they've only played one time. Like, this is still a window for the Yankees to, to get fat, and they're already in first place. What's a big key for you guys looking forward to the six games we have on the schedule between now and the end of next weekend? Two at home against Toronto, four at Chicago. Like what? What's? What do you need to see to feel good about this team? Uh, and obviously, you look at the record and you could say, "I feel good right now." But the way they've been winning the past few games hasn't exactly alluded to that. So, like, what? What do you need to see to actually be like, "I love this team. We are going places right now." Um, I'd like to see Lou Severino start to put a couple like really good performances on the board. I mean, he pitches. Uh, tomorrow, and he pitches then the following Monday against Baltimore. So, like, tomorrow against Toronto would be a really cool thing, you know, to have him go out there. The guy was supposed to be our number two, right? And, you know, obviously he was coming back from his own injury thing. But um, have him go out there against a good team tomorrow and against the guy that snapped their winning streak last week and put up a good performance would be a huge um, benchmark for me just in terms of, like, you know, a guy that you need or that you have expectations for going out there against an opponent that you're going to have to beat regularly this year. That would be important for me. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think you're right about that. Definitely great to beat uh, and critical to beat one of your division opponents. I think, you know, uh, looking forward to and marching into Chicago and really establishing yourself and making a statement. This is the first, you know, road trip besides those games uh, in Toronto, where you're marching into uh, an opponent that is expected to be alongside you challenging for the American League. So I'd really like to see them uh, take initiative in, in those first couple of games and, and really make a statement uh, down there on the south side. That's a good point, because even when the Yankees have scored a bunch of runs, it hasn't really felt like you said, make a statement. I, I and for me, that, that translates to scoring early. The Yankees haven't really done that a bunch this year where, like, they've gone out and just put up, like, a four spot in the first one or two innings uh, or, or had, like, a, like a 6-2 lead by the third inning of, of, of any games, right? Like, there, there are – particularly that series when they took two or three in Toronto, like, they were close early and then they kind of got away from Toronto late. The Yankees scored a bunch in the first two games of that series late in the game. Um I should say, but at least it was really the second game, right? Because Gleyber Torres was the entire offense in the first game, and then they scored nine runs in the second game after Manoa came out. But, uh, yeah, for for me, I – and this may be cliche, but I really want to see Joey Gallo, like, step the fuck up, right? Uh, I, I said on a podcast maybe two weeks ago uh, – I think it was I was with Alex at the time. I just said, like, it's not even fun just – like shit tweeting this guy anymore like just being negative about him on twitter and just making jokes like oh that strikeout was so unlucky like for a period of time it amused me because you have all these these clowns on twitter who who look at the expected batting average which we can have a whole conversation about how that is based on 
the, the juiced ball from 2019 is even relevant anymore now. But, uh, like, you look at these stats, and you're like, oh, this guy is so unlucky. It's like, but the ball, he had a ball right to the center fielder. That's not unlucky. Like, that's an out 100% of the time, right? Um, and it got to a point where it's, like, not even fun anymore. Like, I just want this guy to hit the ball deep. In, 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 like, his batting average is what it is. The strikeouts are where they are. But if he's hitting a bunch of home runs, getting on base at a decent clip with some walks, getting a couple extra base hits here and there, like, you got to live with it. And he's not doing any of that. I know he has three home runs, but he has the same amount of RBIs as, I think, Higgy. He has the same amount of doubles as Marvin Gonzalez, who's played, like, a third of the games as him. Uh, his batting average, once again, is under 200. I know batting average doesn't mean much, but, like, at a certain point, come on, dude. So, for me, I want to see Joey Gallo decide, like, hey, this is my time. I'm going to actually go out and do something this week. Uh, and then maybe he'll be reprieved from some criticism on Twitter for a few days. And for me, that would be nice. Like, I don't even want to, to be negative about him anymore. Yeah, I agree. At a certain point, you can't really – I mean, you're just beating a dead horse, right? So, like, obviously he needs to play better and seems like a good enough guy where it's, like, not, you know – like, oh, he's an asshole about it, and he's playing like crap, so we just have, like, it's not even like that. Like, he's a good guy, it seems like, and hopefully he can start to play better. Um, so that we can talk about someone else. Yeah, yes, please. I'm sure his, his reception on Twitter is absolutely at the top of his mind. Uh, but, yeah, you know, and I think to your guys' point, he's got to adjust a little bit better in left field as well. I think there is still a period where he – is not quite sure how all the angles work at Yankee Stadium. We've seen a number of plays this year where he misjudges a ball off the wall or, you know, a line drive is just kind of whizzed past him. Uh, hey, so, how about uh, even the, the last out of today's game, right? That, like, did, didn't you for a moment think, like, holy shit, this ball's dropping in? <laughs> I think that was the sun more than, than anything. Uh, yeah, it was. And, and Judge and Hicks dealt with it, too, for the flyouts before him. But, like, I, I, <laughs> it certainly – was cause for concern, but uh, I'll let you continue. Sorry. But yeah, just, you know, getting back to the Joey Gallo that we kind of thought we were getting, who was, Hey, this guy is going to absolutely destroy the ball and, and play really, really good defense. We have seen some, some flashes, obviously he has a great arm and he's made a number of, of extended diving plays. Cause he's, you know, he's a big dude. He moves well out there, but it's just kind of honing those, those finer points of, of the defensive game as well. All right, guys, last thing before we, we close out here. Uh, Luigi and I on last week's podcast gave our our bullpen trust lists, and sorry to put you on the spot. I know we didn't, I didn't really give you a heads up on this in, in the pre-show, but I'll give each of you a chance to go five to one, top five bullpen arms who you guys have the, the most trust in at this point in the season. Obviously, the list may vary a little bit from what Luigi and I had last week just because they've played six more games, but um, – I'll give you guys the opportunity to get your your lists on record. Um, so I guess G, we'll start with you. I will go number five, Chad Green, because I don't ever fully trust him, but he's established enough that I kind of trust him. Um, number four, Lucas Litke. Number three, Clay Holmes. Number two, Chapman. That's a tenuous two. It's 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 not a great strong two, but it's Chapman. He's established enough. And number one is Michael King. 
Number one is yeah. Zach Britton. Oh, oh, sorry. Shit. Zach Britton. Number one. I know what you love, Britton. Number one in my bullpen disdain list is Zach Britton always. Um, Johnny Pasta doesn't make his list. All right, but uh, go ahead. Okay. okay. I'll, let you, I'll let you explain. All right, no, I'm kicking Chad Green off my list. Jonathan Loisega is um, right. <laughs> four, and Lucas Lipke is five, and Zach or Chad Green can get bent. Um, Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I'll recap it, and then I'll kick it to Gus, since I just named like eight guys. Um, Lipke, Loisega, Holmes, Chapman, and Michael King. The flavor of the month, the, the 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 player of the moment, Michael King, in spite of his recent one adding where he gave up a couple of runs, has been utterly incredible and good for him. All right, Gus, you're up. Oh, boy. Uh, okay. I think, I mean, really probably three through one are honestly interchangeable. Um, but I think... I think number five is is Licky. I guess I think I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of split about like Castro's stuff is terrific, but he walks a ton of guys, and Chad Green gives up too more uh, too many home runs. So I guess yeah, I guess I'll go with Licky at number five. Um, Michael King is going to be number four just because. I just haven't seen – obviously what we've seen has been great, but is it super sustainable? I don't know. Uh, number three is Loisega. Obviously we saw what he did last year, and he's rounding into form this year. I think the command has been a lot better in the last couple outings. Uh, number two is Chapman. Chapman is – at this point, Chapman is Chapman. You know what you get. And number one is Clay Holmes. I love Clay Holmes. This dude, I just – he's – Right, righty against righty. I don't know how anybody is ever going to get a hit. Like sinker, just in right on the hand, slider away. It, it just seems like honestly an unbeatable combination at this point. And he's even been deployed to save a couple of games this year. He's been really, really terrific. Now, guys, I got to tell you, I I do not hate you having Clay Holmes number one. Um, I think Luigi last week had him at two. I had him at three. Uh, but we both had well, – I had Chapman at two, and we both had Michael King at number one as well. Uh, but Clay Holmes has been phenomenal. He picked up his fourth win of the season already on the young season. Today, his area is, I think, like .6. Uh, you know that he's going to get a ground ball whenever he needs it, but he's got that bowling ball slider exactly like Zach Britton has while he's throwing from the right side. Uh, look, not having Zach Britton this year – may like based on what he's done for us the past few years may have coming to the season seemed like it was it was going to suck but the ascension of michael king clay holmes proven that last year was by no means the fluke and in fact he's built upon it this year like our bullpen is in a really good spot like the the, the starters have already been good enough but but the bullpen being arguably the best unit in, in baseball and i certainly had my doubts on them coming to the season like that's why we are where we are because the offense has been hit and miss but there's nothing quite like seeing the Yankees bullpen come in. You got to get anywhere from nine to 12 outs. They got a one or two run lead and just Boone just having too many arms to deal with. <laughs> like, like, there's no wrong decision you could make unless you extend a guy when he clearly doesn't have it. But in terms of like, do I bring in this guy? Do I bring in this guy? There's no wrong answer. They're all good. They're all going to come through. 
and, and this year it's been a true treat to have the bullpen we have. So yeah, I mean, there, there's almost no, almost no point in like making a top five because you leave three guys off who are also really good. I like it's there, there's too many choices. That's actually a good point because I was like, I didn't even really remember until you mentioned him, like Miguel Castro, who does have great stuff and has been pretty good. Um, but yeah, you know, don't need to like the considering some of the, the players that we had to watch come through here with the bullpen and, you know, from the time where it was like Chapman and um, Batances and Miller, and then they went through a couple years, the last couple of years where I was like, maybe they're trying to reload the bullpen, but they did a hell of a job this year because everyone, I don't think there's like a true, like defined weakness. Like this is the player you don't want to go to. Everyone's pretty good. There are just so many guys that they've deployed and, and they've all been, Pretty good. Even like Mar, uh, how do you Marinaccio? Uh, Ronnie yeah. Marinaccio, <laughs> however you pronounce it. It's like decent, which you're like, I haven't heard of this dude. How is he gonna pitch? And he was like, oh, it's, it's fine. I mean, they're pretty much everyone that they've yanked out of there has been able to to get outs on a somewhat regular basis, which is which is pretty crazy. Hey, it's funny enough, a name that no one has mentioned the entire time we're talking about the bullpen, Wandy Peralta. Like, Wandy's a very good arm out of the bullpen, and the fact that he's the afterthought in our bullpen just shows how deep they are. That, like, if that's the guy who's, like, the last option among Mawaisaka, Chapman, Holmes, Green, King, right, Litke, like, if you're going to go to, to Peralta as, like, the bottom of that barrel, I, you're in pretty good shape. And a tip of the cap to Wandy because he's a fun, crafty lefty. I like that. Wandy is sure fun. Uh, all right, I think this is a good time to to, to call it a show here. Uh, like we mentioned, the Yankees, 20-8, and eight, the best winning percentage in Major League Baseball somehow. It certainly doesn't feel like this is the team with the best record in baseball right now, but they're getting the job done. They're winning by any means necessary. Today they had nothing going, and they won a one nothing game. I say nothing going. They had they had Ernesto Cortez, <laughs> no hitter broom, but offensively they had nothing going. But it, it seems like they they may have whatever it is this year. Like they're not the team like like in 2017 when we expected nothing of that team and they had all those come from behind wins. You kind of had a feeling like oh god, this team may be able to actually do something this year. I don't quite have that feeling this year. But I definitely had low expectations for this squad just because they didn't make, like, that big, splashy offseason acquisition. They were very similar to the team they had last year that didn't get out of the wild card game. And it's just been – it's been a pleasure, even when it's frustrating, to, like, watch this team battle. The pitching's been awesome. I like a little more offense, but I don't think that's that's a hot take by any means. Uh, and ultimately, look, guys, we got – what, 140 games, 130 games left on our schedule. Um, they just got to play it like like a 550 clip, and, and they're comfortably in the playoffs. So um, certainly much can change. But this is – I think we could not have, a, have imagined us being in this spot a month and a half ago going into the season. Like I don't think we any of us thought that this is where the team would be after 28 games. Absolutely, and I think one of the most important parts of that, uh, pretty much everybody except for a couple of guys, uh, like Castro most recently, clean bill of health pretty much all around so far, which is great. 
that 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 is a good that's a good point. I'm knocking on wood as as we speak here. Uh, LaCastro has been the only guy to hit the IL so far this year. Uh, God willing that that's that stays the case. Um, it, it's a lower back issue for him, and hopefully he's back in just two or three weeks. And, and the Yankees can certainly survive if they got to get a speed guy. They can call up Floreal. Uh, but look, going forward, we just got to get through May, continue to tack some wins on the board, and then if uh, really all you need is for this team to, to finally hit their stride by June when the when the schedule really gets tough, and, and then you start to see what what they're made of long term. Uh, but but I'm I'm certainly right. feeling good about where they are. Uh, pleasantly pleasantly surprised thus far, and. I think there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of a lot of potential in this team that we may not have expected coming to the season. I'm gonna chime in here. Rather than pounce on the opportunity to, you know, bash Tim Locastro or anything like that, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna ignore that, and um, I'm gonna send us out on a little bit of optimism here, um, with a tip of the cap to Glaber Torres, um, and not even because of all the Chris Woodward silliness. Um, but he has shown a bit of a pulse the last 15 or so games. Um, well, for his last 15 games, he's been 277. Last seven games, he has two home runs. He hit the walk-off home run to opposite field uh, yesterday or the other day, uh, the doubleheader. So um, that was cool. And he has been playing a really good second base, um, which, you know, no surprise. He looks more comfortable there than he did at shortstop. But um, has shown a bit of a bit of a pulse, getting some base hits. Um, so cool for him, you know, not to say he's going to become the 40 home runs, you know, torturing the Baltimore Orioles, Clay Torres, but just, you know, it's nice to see, uh, for him that he's, you know, having a little bit of a pulse and had a cool moment with that walk-off home run yesterday. Yep. Yep. Shout out to Glader, Glaber, Glader, who the hell's Glader? <laughs> Shout out to Glaber Torres. Uh, certainly not quite where we expected him to be, uh, but he's shown, to an extent, an improvement over the disastrous 2020 and 2021 campaigns. Uh, so, so slowly working his way back. All right, guys, I, I think that's a, a good place to to call the show tonight. Uh, so, for the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast, it's been uh, Andrew, G, and Gus. We'll catch you guys next time. Let's go Yankees.